It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to the Kriya Yoga Podcast. I have with us today returning guest Ryan Strong, a Kriya Yoga teacher and student of Roy Eugene Davis. And today we're going to be talking about Ayurveda and how Ayurveda relates to Kriya Yoga and how it can help support our meditation path. So thank you for being here with us again today, Ryan. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, always good to see you. All right, Ryan, today we're going to talk about how Ayurveda relates to Kriya Yoga and how it can support our meditative practice. So I'm sure you've probably talked with a lot of people about this. What are some of the the most foundational, important principles uh, related to Ayurveda to help support our practice? Um, That's a big subject. And there's a lot to, you know, a lot that we can go into about it. But I think um, one of the most helpful things that Ayurveda Ayurveda helps everyone with, but especially those of us on the Kriya Yoga path is that, you know, we, we have to deal with this mind, this body, this personality, you know, the ahamkara, you know, this, this thing that we are operating through (laughs) and Ayurveda helps us balance it or just be able to live in this body and live with our mind and, and, and deal with our personality and all these things that are, that are a part of living. It, It helps us, um, do so with more ease. Right. You know? So it's kind of like the owner's manual for our car. It is. I, I think so. I you think you so. can't you, you can't ignore the fact that you still need oil changes, even though you're you're a Kriya Yogi and practicing meditation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And there's all the things that come up with the body and especially the mind. I think that Ayurveda is really as far as meditation goes and, and living consciously, by just understanding our dosha and working with it, we can have a lot less symptoms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so, you know, when we when we do this 12-part class, I know we're going to go a lot more into like the idea of doshas. Uh, and for people who are maybe new or aren't familiar so much with Ayurveda, um, could you tell us really what what I, the word Ayurveda means and also yeah. what is this, what are these ideas of the doshas that that they talk about in Ayurveda? Yeah, so Ayurveda is the science of life. Ayur being life and, and Veda being being knowledge, basically, in the simplest way. So it's the it's the knowledge or the science of life. And it's it is looking at this physical creation through the principles of, of Sankhya philosophy and looking at all the elements. So everything in this world is a make is made up of the elements, which are really a byproduct of the gunas. And so we're looking at how each one of us, each person is a, we're looking at our individual makeup of these elements and, and how to work with them uh, to be more healthy. And so when we look at the dosha, we're looking at uh, patterns of really like energy. You know, if we're looking at the five elements and, and, all, and all the ways that they express, they're all j- different forms of energy. And there are patterns of these energies that, uh, that connect. So, for example, 
uh, dosha. Uh, dosha means fault. And we'll, we'll come back to that, I'm sure. But dosha, when we're looking at the three doshas, for example, we're looking at how the elements combine to make these, these biological patterns within our world, but even more importantly, or more specifically, to our body. And like what I was going to say was vata, you know, it's the dosha of, of movement, if you will. And, uh, and vata is a combination of air and ether, uh, of akasha and vayu. And so when we're looking at a dosha, we're just really looking at how the elements have combined within nature or within our nature and how they are functioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, you use the idea of, of vata as being, um, <clears throat> movement, uh, you know, uh, like air and ether. Uh, so then there's pitta and kapha as well. What, what are those? Yeah. So uh, pitta is mostly fire, but it's but it's the it's the makeup of fire and the element of water. But it's it's mostly fire, and 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 pitta is the function of all of our digestive processes. And so anything that, as far as uh, our body is concerned, anytime we digest food or we digest sunlight or we we digest light through our eyes, this is all a function of pitta. And kapha is a combination of, of earth and water. And so it is kapha that gives us the structure, the form, the lubrication, the protection. Right. And yeah. And so everyone has, uh, since we, people can relate to the fact that there are different body types, you know, the, yeah. the tall, skinny person or a person who might be a little shorter, a little more stouter, these kinds of things. So everyone's different in that they have a different makeup and that's reflected by the amount of how these doshas um, sort of express in their life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so we we can say that everybody has a constitution and that that constitution is really unique to them and the the term that we'll use for the constitution that we're born with is prakriti and prakriti means original nature and this this happens at the moment of conception and you know it's a it's a byproduct of our our karma but we can be even more specific of course so much of it has to do with our parents and their their unique genetic blueprint their own dosha and how these things blend uh at the moment of conception t- that uh that that creates our dosha which is going to be a combination of all three doshas everybody has all three but we might be dominant in one we might be a, a close combination of two or have all three yeah right right and so <laughs> It's sort of like, you know, the world is made up of the five elements. So the five elements are everywhere, but different parts of the world have different, uh, a balance of each element. So our bodies, the, the doshas are everywhere, but our individual bodies might sort of uh, emphasize a, a particular quality of, of some of these doshas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, so, like you know, you, I'm sure maybe someone listening has a child and maybe they have a couple of children and maybe eight. You know, if you have, hmm? maybe eight, maybe eight. <laughs> yeah, maybe eight, but it's, but it, you know, you can, you can see their constitution reflected in them pretty quickly. You have a child like my son, when he was born, he was, he slept a lot and he was just a really sweet watery baby. And he just was really uh, calm. And, and my daughter, she was fiery. So just right away, just so much fire. So she would be, she would be, we could say that she had more pitta 
right? More of this expressive intensity, fire, emotional, um, energetic um, way about her. And my son is more kappa, you know, more, more, more of that water, more of that earth, more grounded in that way. Right. And that's, that's what, a, a, what a person has from, from birth. But like, when I think back through my life, when I was younger, um, I was more portly and snotty and puffer yeah. like I think. Yeah. And then as I went through high school and young adulthood, I became much thinner and willier, willower, uh, willier, yeah. will, will <laughs> <laughs> willower. <laughs> there, <it is. laughs> there we go. But then yeah. as I got older, I also then started to get a little uh, uh, thicker again, I suppose, meaning that's from yeah. working out and stuff. But what I'm trying to get at here is, you know, there's, there's the birth, uh, constitution but that can that can move through time absolutely so we have that prakriti that that are we have our unique genetic blueprint our constitution at the moment of conception but in the womb depending on how our mom is eating and the climate that she's in and all the situations all the elements they 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 affect us as early as being in gesta- gestation and so from the moment of of being in the womb, we our dosha is under the influence of all the elements, and this happens throughout out our whole life. So we have the prakriti, but then we have vikruti, and vikruti is what is our current state, what what is right now. Our original constitution will never really change, but it's it's always under the influence of of all the elements. So again, what we're eating, what time of year it is, um, what the climate is, all of these things. But then going back to your question, there are natural stages of dosha development in our life. And when we're first born from being a baby all the way until we're in puberty, we're in kappa time of life. So this is where we're growing so much and and we're more and more watery, more snotty, all these kinds of things as a whole. And it's going to be different for each person, but there's more of this. And then we go through puberty and then from puberty until later in life, we are in pitta stage of life. And so there's, there's so much more movement. There's all that rajas energy. It's where we're going to do the most of our work in this life. And then for, for women or for biological women, uh, they start to go into vata time of life when they hit menopause. And so that's, that is the next stage of life, vata. And for men, it, it can happen a little bit later. It just depends on each person. But around the age 65, typically, we can say that person's well-established uh, in vata time. So it's first it's kappa, and then it's pitta, and then it's vata time of life. Got it. Got it. And since we've been talking, actually gave me another idea for the the class that we're going to be doing. It occurred to me, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about the elements. Yeah. And I I know you're going to be digging into this too, but, um, you know, one of the descriptions of, of, of tapas or practice as it relates to Kriya Yoga is, in a sense, uh, kind of control or purification um, of of the elements through the the elements and the senses and, and, yeah. and the sense organs and these kinds of things. So, you know, one of the things I think is interesting is that through the study of Ayurveda and the application of what we learn from Ayurveda, one of the ways that helps our practice is because when we live a certain way, that helps to balance the elements of our body, which also helps to balance our mind and our senses. Absolutely. And that's part of tapas. That's part of one of the definitions of Kriya Yoga. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so important. And 
and, and just real simple too, in a lot of ways, because the dosha or the elements have their energies. And we can look at it really simply, sattva, rajas, tamas, for example. And when we find what keeps us in balance, we are, we are less likely to be taken on the ride of rajas, you know, just being so have so much ambition and just drive and just doing too much. And then we're letting go of all of our, our, uh, our ojas or our core vital energy. So if we go, so by purifying and balancing pitta or that fire element within us, we have, we can hold on to our ojas. We can hold on to our vitality. We can have deeper, longer meditations, possibly things like this. Right. Right. And I, I did want to ask you a question about uh, Ojas. I'll, I'll try to remember, hopefully, if I don't mm-hmm. remind me when we get towards the end. Um, but what you were just talking about there, the, the Sattva, uh, Rajas, and Tamas. Yeah. Um, again, I know many people who are listening probably are very familiar with that. Um, but can you give us a little uh, understanding of, of what those terms are, what they relate to? Yeah, well, they are they're core attributes of, of the physical reality that we're in. And we often will with as you as you've experienced i'm sure when we look at it we can say that tamas is is negative or sattva is very positive and i think to understand them we want to ignore that for a little bit is that tamas is a energy within this world within our universe that's heavy and and when so when, so things that are tamasic hold together, they, it creates inertia. So like you could say gravity in a way is 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 tamasic. You hold a rock and it's tamasic. So it has a heavy quality. Where Rajas itself is the energy within this in this world and within this universe that is changing things from one thing to another. So Rajas is just all about movement, movement of form. Um, when anything changes from one thing into another, it's that's Rajas, and it's this heating quality. And and we can see this in just observing anything that that is alive. You know, it it's changing from one form into another. I don't know if that's a great example, but uh, but yeah, but rajas is just about movement, and it can create a lot of heat and friction. And sattva is is the element, or is the excuse me, has the quality of light, lucidity, and and we can think about that within ourselves as feeling uplifted or inspired. Uh, when we do pranayama, we're really working with bringing in this this prana, and it's and it's helping elicit. And create more of a, a sattvic um, impression with within our mind, right? And so I don't. Did I did I describe those in the right? In the, yeah, in, did yeah. that make sense? One of the ways I looked at it when I was reading um, the Holy Science was that uh, Thomas is like the grounding force. Yeah, and. Um, those of you who are electricians, you know, don't, 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 (laughs) don't jump on us for, for misusing the metaphor here, but it's like, uh, Thomas is the grounding force. And then Rajas is like the neutralizing force, but, but in order for something to be neutralized, there has to be activity. You know, you have to like discharge it, but Thomas is what's being discharged to. Whereas, uh, uh, Sattva is like the the, the pure energy. So it's like moving from energy movement being discharged into the ground as an example um that that's how i would sometimes look at those things yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. And, and we're i think it, when we look at something for an, an example that might make this um helpful is like so if you're more kappa 
right? So if you have more copper, you have, you have this, you have more of the element of earth and water, possibly more of the other, but it, so, so we're people that are more kappa are going to be a lot more sensitive to things that increase kappa. And so let's say that somebody has too much kappa and they're going to gain a little bit extra weight, but they're going to also feel a little bit heavy. They're going to, their digestion becomes sluggish. Their mind be, can become dull and sluggish. So if there's, so if we're kappa and we engage in doing things that increase kappa, then we sit to meditate. And it's just like, you're just so aware of the body and you can't, it's hard to pull up the energy. It's hard to actually hold it. It's just, you feel heavy, dull and, and tamasic in this way. Right. Yeah. And for someone that's more Pitta, then they're going to, they're going to, they're going to try to meditate, but they're going to meditate with too much intensity. I'm going to get somewhere. I'm going to make something happen, you know, you know, or they don't have enough time. That's the bigger thing with, with, with Rajas or Pitta. Uh, those two qualities together, it's the person will often have so much to, going on in their life that they might be able to meditate for 20, 25 minutes, but the, everything else is scheduled and they have to get up and run. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. So, you know, get, kind of getting into this idea. Um, it, it's, it's similar to say, if you're a, a pitta type, you might, if you, if you are a pitta type and you discover that you're a pitta type, you might not necessarily want to go do hot yoga five days a week. You might want to. Well, you might want to. <laughs> yeah, but, but no, it, yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. You know, it, the very simple, um, it, 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 simply but like increases like. And right. so if you're already super hot and intense and you have all this fire, you maybe have rashes, maybe you have acid reflux, Maybe you deal with um, being overly critical of yourself or others and this kind of thing. So then a lot of times when there's all this heat, if we eat spicy foods or we go out and do hot yoga or we want to go do a run in the middle of the day, uh, these kind of things, it's just going to make all of this stuff worse or more. It's going to increase the dosha. Yeah, that, that, that's what I always found really uh, kind of lovely about Ayurveda was that once you kind of figured out what you, what your what your dosha was what your constitution was if you paid attention you could uh kind of balance it and and it and it also taught you discipline because i, I do have a lot of pitta and sure enough when was the time i wanted to go mow grass 1 p.m <laughs> that's when i thought right. that's when i needed to go do it or yeah i wanted to do activities which were really hard and and, and really kind of uh, took a lot of energy when really it might've been better if I focused more on like Tai Chi or Qigong or, or soft flowing things. And, yeah. and it, it always seems to be that, 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 that whatever the person is, if, if they don't know about Ayurveda, they will tend to always usually want to do the thing, which is going to imbalance them. Exactly. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's something that I, I've thought I've seen. Yeah, well, it, it it is true. It so it, it it tends to be true. So if we have an imbalance, an example for a vata, uh, someone that's very vata, they might gravitate towards um, taking a lot of coffee or drinking tea or something that stimulates them. But they're already overly stimulated, right? Uh, so the, the the what they say is when you're out of balance, you crave what keeps you out of balance. And it's almost like the dosha has a mind of its own. So if we're out of balance, we crave what keeps us in balance. But it's also the opposite is that when we're in balance, 
when we're when we have a more balanced state we really do crave what keeps us in balance and i've definitely noticed that throughout my life yeah yeah when i first started uh kind of exploring ayurveda i i noticed you know this pattern of the things that that would that would imbalance my dosha i already had a tendency to kind of want to do you know yeah exercising too hard let's go get some hot spicy fried chicken wings yeah but then what happened was is once i started applying uh the basic principles of ayurveda in my life then i wanted to do the stuff that actually was better for me yeah because you felt better yeah like i i it's like i knew because people people bring this up they say things like well uh i know i need to eat meat because i crave it I'm thinking, well, maybe, but maybe there's another reason to it because, you know, when I was younger, that's all my family ate was like meat and potatoes. Right. And uh, now that I've taken care of myself better, I really like a salad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So absolutely. So can you, can you say anything more about that? How, how, like, how long does it take generally from your practice that you've seen? How long does it generally take a person to kind of move into that state where they kind of do want to do the things that make them feel better after they've applied Ayurveda principles? Yeah, it it depends on each person and it depends on how out of balance they were for how long I do these, um, I I do panchakarma, which is a process of cleansing or purifying the, the dosha from the body. And it's, it's incredible, but I've seen, um, that to be one of the quickest ways. So if someone is, is experiencing a lot of imbalance, if, and if they're, if, if they're able to go through punch karma, it's not for everybody, but they're able to do it. Then within just within a couple of weeks, they feel so different and they feel so much more balanced. And then they just, they want to crave or not crave. They want to engage and the foods and the lifestyle and the, the environments and the relationships that just, that really support them. And I find this to be a lot more true for people that are um, living uh, on a spiritual path or they're, they're practicing yoga or Kriya yoga because they they definitely know and, and many have already experienced uh, a level of equanimity or peace within themselves. And so when they get a deeper sense of it, there's like that aha moment, you know, especially for Pitta. Um, so many people have, so, a lot of people have so much fire and, and they don't want to let it go because they feel like they're going to be less effective. So they're, they, they have like an edge, the fire creates this ambition and there's this edge to what they're doing. And this will often lead towards burnout at some point, right? So it's like, if we can just reduce that heat, they're going to be so much more effective in their life and have more energy and more creativity to do a lot more, but <clears throat> They, they oftentimes will like they before it's gone they'll say am i going to lose that edge am i going to am i am i going to lose this thing that i really value but then they you reduce that dosha and they just feel so much better right. and so i know it's, it's not an easy answer or easy question to answer it's it's different for each person uh, sometimes it can be real quick and sometimes it'll take a little while mm-hmm. what's yeah. interesting about about pitta it's like it's like you have a, a walk and all you have is high heat yeah. And so you can stir fry and sear some stuff really well, but just imagine if you could like turn the heat down a little bit, you could cook so many other things. <laughs> That's right. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And you can just feel better. You right. Know? 
And this kind of reminds me of a, a, an, an astrological principle. And before I forget, those of you who are listening, uh, Ryan Strong is also a Vedic astrologer. So those of you who ask, who should I go for astrology? Well, you should go see Ryan Strong for Vedic oh, astrology. So keep that in mind. Um, but the idea uh, with Venus in Vedic astrology, Shukra, you know, a lot of people say that Shukra deals with kind of, um, well, it deals with luxury, which it does, but it deals with desire. But what what they miss what they mistake about it is that Venus is really healthy desire, and that when we see people with like addictions or sugar cravings or sloth or whatever it might be, that's an imbalance of Venus. Because when Venus is really healthy, like a good Venus makes you want to do things that m- truly make you feel good, not because of a drug or a boost, but you know Venus knows if you eat that salad tonight instead of the pizza with sausage and onions, you're probably going to sleep better and you're going to wake up and feel more refreshed in the morning. Like that's a good Venus. Venus are healthy desires. And I I think what you're talking about there, that once you kind of learn to to get yourself in balance, then you really naturally want to engage in some of those healthy desires. I agree. Yeah. Venus wants to bring out the refinement of the experience Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think it's so true. And it kind of going back to your question, when do people uh, sometimes make that shift? And, and oftentimes it's like just taking good care of the body, you know, and you, and you start to feel healthier. Like it's like, if you, if you need to gain weight, gaining a little bit of weight, or you need to lose weight, losing a little bit of weight. But when you, it starts to beautify the body. uh, I think it, in even just a slight way, it has this real positive impact I think it does help increase that that positive Venus or yeah. Shukra energy. Yeah. yeah. So two things I, w- I would like to try to touch on before we um, make it to the end of the day. So it might take a little while. Um, one of the things we were going to cover within the, the, the 12 section class were um, this idea of the three pillars of health. Yeah. So I'm curious if you could just take a moment to kind of share what those three pillars are and just give a little bit of insights about them. Great. Yeah. So the three pillars, it's the idea is if you want balance in your life. So we're we're going right back to that mind, body, personality, taking being in this body without too many symptoms or even better, just having more ease, right? We want to move through our life with ease. And so if we're experiencing psychological um symptoms or physical symptoms we we want to see them get better and if if we're not following or managing these three pillars of life then there's not much hope for us um meaning that each one of these have to be in in some in some level at some level of balance for what we need so that's the first um point is that these three pillars of health are specific to the individual's needs. And, right. and before you go too far, yeah. um, with what you just said, I, I want to stick with this car metaphor. Yes. So when you said there's not much hope for us, I think some people could hear that and think, well, great, there's not much hope for me. But I, I think we need to put it in the context of, like if you have a car and you change the oil and you manage the struts and you do the timing belts, well, there's more hope that you'll make it to 300,000 miles 
Absolutely. And there's not much hope if you don't do any of those things that you'll make it to like 50,000 miles. So it's more of yeah, just a, that's, a that's, that's, that's a good way to put it. And I, I think I said it kind of funny too. It's it's not that there's not hope. It's just that with the three pillars, it's like, if we're not managing these, it's like trying to drive a car with no air in the tires. You, you won't, you're not going to get too far. And, and this is where the, you know, the, the name Ayurveda, the science of life, and, and really looking at these three pillars. So the first one is ahara. It's our, it's how we eat. So for each person, we have to eat uh, to, to live, to maintain the body. Well, I guess there are some people that might not, but I haven't met them. <laughs> right. So it, what we eat and how we eat, uh, it, that is the first pillar. If, if we're eating too much for our, our body type, it, it's not going to work. If we're not eating enough. It's not going to work. And, and so this gets a little bit complex and we spend so much time on this, but it's just finding the right foods and eating them at the right time in the right way. And, and this is a little bit of a path of discovery. And it's not that we have to be perfect, but if, if food is uh, completely off, then we're not really going to be able to thrive. And I think if I could go back and change that word hope, I would say thrive. You know, because yeah. it's it's hard to thrive if we're not doing the right, eating the right food or having the right nutritional value uh, for our constitution. And that's also how we digest our food. But that's all part of it. So the first one is food. The second one is sleep. And so it is it is that if we sleep too much for what we need or we don't sleep enough for what we need, we are not going to thrive. Right. And, and, and you can go longer without food than you can go without sleep. Uh, I, I've been sleep deprived before once or twice, especially when my son was born. And it was like uh, you start to hallucinate, you know, you start to see things or you, you see something in the side. You know, it's, it feels like something's moving behind you. You know, you, you start to lose your mind a little bit. And so sleep is sleep is a pillar. We have to have enough sleep we have to have deep sleep it's it's not about uh it's about quality and quantity for the individual for some people they need to sleep less like sleeping in the middle of the day taking long naps sleeping in this is just going to increase that tamasic quality it's going to cause most people to gain weight we can start to build up toxic uh, or or we can start to build up ama or undigested or we're not digesting our food in the right way so it starts to build up and 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 cause uh, blockages, if you will. So the first one is food, eating the right way. The second one is sleep, uh, managing uh, that restful rejuvenation aspect of, of our body. Those are those are the first two. And the third pillar is brahmacharya. And brahmacharya is often um, defined as celibacy. Um, but we really want to look at it in a, in a broader way. Brahmacharya is the non- dissipation of life force energy and so it is uh, not giving away or, or or just burning up our core vital energy and so brahmacharya is the management of our our physical and mental energy and it it comes down to a simple uh just simply looking at it like not doing too much we need to exercise but if we over exercise we are just depleting our vitality if we have too much sex or over-engage in sex, we're going to burn up our vitality. If we're over-consumed with work and thinking about stuff too much, it's going to it's going to drain our batteries. And so the three pillars of life 
it's it's looking at the individual's constitution. So everyone is different, but it's finding a way to balance these three areas. And if they're if we can get those close, if we can get those improved, everything can improve. And I've worked with people that um, were terminally ill, and, 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 and until they were ready to go, these can always be improved. Uh, every single one of us can improve these. And, and so there is hope. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 There is hope. There, there is, there is the manual that will tell you. <laughs> yeah. And Ayurveda can help you decipher that. And I, and I think it is personal. Like you said, you know, I have a friend, he can, uh, he gets by on six hours of sleep a night. And yeah. I can't do that. I mean, yeah. it doesn't work for me. I mean, I can do it, but like, I'm not functioning optimally if I do right. it. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes it's difficult for people, I think, because not everyone has a lifestyle that allows them to figure out, like, for example, sleep, like I can figure that out because I am my own boss and I work for myself. So I can kind of set my schedule to figure that out, but some people can't. So I guess I'm kind of curious, um, how, what, what do you say to people or how do you recommend people to figure out the sleep idea if they have that kind of difficulty, they, they don't, they can't quite just control their schedule that, that, that easily. Yeah. Yeah. The hardest is, is with new children, new babies, you know? And so that can be really difficult. And, and you, we often will try to come up with a, a support plan and, and trying to get them to have more sleep in a way that people can maybe have somebody watch the baby for a little while. And, but that's the most difficult time. So if, if you have a little, a baby or a toddler, that's not sleeping well, it's, it, that can be difficult. But for other people, um, it's it's about uh, making your your health a priority. Like you, you mentioned, a friend that can that can get by with six hours. So there are some people that can do that, and they seem to be doing pretty well. Um, but it's really unnatural to uh, work in a way where we have to do swing shifts or work all night and just have this irregularity and. Um, you know, if, if you have to do it, you know, then it's it's finding a way to do it in the best way for you so that you can get that deep sleep. But honestly, um, the idea would be, and I've, I've, I've had to do this with, a many, with many clients, is just to find a way, like, all right, how long do you have to do this? How can you switch into a new career or switch into a new role? Like, how do we get you out of this? And because it, it's not just a it's not just a bad idea for most people. It's just toxic and right. it, and it, and it can make people really sick. Yeah. And some people can do it a lot longer, but it's, again, it's just really unnatural for us to, uh, to live in such a way. Yeah. 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 And um, so one other thing I know we're going to talk about, I mean, we have a, there's a large uh, list of topics and I'll see if I can pull up my email. We can, we can run through them real quick, maybe. Um, but just in case we can't, one of the other important topics that uh, I find really interesting uh, for this class was on the idea of uh, ojas and sort of cultivating uh, ojas in our life. So if you don't mind just describing what that term is yeah, and um, sort of how that might be approached. Yeah. So ojas is, uh, we can define it as uh, physical vitality. And it's not subtle, you know, when we, we, we look, we talk about something like prana, uh, prana is subtle, you know, it's, it's not something we can really easily weigh or measure or even see, right. It's, it's subtle. 
Ojas is physical, and Ojas, it is uh, physical excretions uh, that our body creates uh, that work together in concert to strengthen our immune system. It helps our hormones. Uh, Ojas builds the health of the body and protects the health of the body. And this includes our mind. It gives us a barrier or some protection against outer stresses, emotional stress. So Ojas is ojas is physical substances that that our body creates and it creates it through the proper digestion of the right foods through sleep and through using our core physical energy in the right way and in in some of these substances in in modern times it's considered to be like glutathione uh, immune proteins it's considered to be serotonin epinephrine cortisol all these things that work in concert together to strengthen our body and build and support our mind so it just is is so important right and you know w- all those things you've just listed you know the, the hormones and these kinds of things I, i've thought about this before you know many people have a lot of difficulties in life just because life is sometimes difficult um but i don't know I've noticed myself that say when I, when I'm able to exercise regularly, get enough sleep, um, you know, manage drama in my life, even when difficult things come up, I can handle it. Like there's more resilience there. And exactly. I kind of associate that with this idea of, of, of what you're talking about this OGIS, because then all the things are working together, you feel better. And so you're, you're more able to navigate the experiences of life. Whereas if that's low or you're not sleeping well, or, you know, you don't have energy to exercise or there's this drama well, the littlest thing can just smash you into the ground, you know, absolutely. Is, is that kind of what we're, what you're that, getting? That's it. That's it. Exactly. And, oh, just as all the stuff, but what does it really help stabilize our mind and, you know, anyone with a mind, any one of us has the possibility of losing it. <laughs> if we get worn out, you know, we can go through really, really hard, hard things. And that can just drain our energy, drain our ojas, and then we can just be a wreck. Mm-hmm. And, and this can, we can be this way for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, and, and so it, when we have good ojas, or when we were building ojas, uh, we tend to have this barrier against stress. So, that's helpful, but there's a definition of health according to Ayurveda and the Charaka Samhita, uh, an old one of the, the most the oldest book on Ayurveda, and it, it, it defines health in a concept called swasta. Mm. And one of the definitions of swasta is being established within oneself. Mm. All right, being established within oneself. So we can look at this in different ways, but I I feel like when we are when our ojas is strong and healthy. Uh, we're, we just have this uh, more equanimity. And so with the dramas of life that can pull us into situations that might demand our attention, um, we can just be more anchored. We can be more grounded and more self-aware and like, okay, I'm interacting with this, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't need to change the things outside of me. I don't need these things to make me happy. I don't need everything to be the way I think it needs to be. We're much more able to be like allowing things to be as they are, to stay more surrendered. Um, it, it, yeah, oh, just is helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the title of the class. Oh, just is helpful. <laughs> um, no, that's good. And and what you said just kind of made me reminded me. It's 
And one of the important things about yoga and, and, and integrating these Ayurvedic principles is, you know, a lot of people begin practicing meditation and they're doing it for stress reduction. They're doing it to feel better. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the deeper reason to practice meditation is to recognize that we are this eternal timeless spirit. And that's a really subtle thing. And if our ojas is strong or we, we've been able to manage our life well, in my mind, that, that allows us to, 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 when we meditate, to actually not, not be meditating just for stress relief anymore because we're, we're managing our stress, but we're able to stay awake because we've got the energy. We're able to stay internalized because we're comfortable in our strong bodies. And then that allows us to actually kind of practice pratyahara, internalization of attention to, to really get into that more dynamic inner aspect of, of meditation. So uh, it just seems like an understanding of that provides a real foundation for sincere and deeper spiritual practice overall. Absolutely. It's, it's incredibly helpful. Yeah. I was reading, I was reading, oh, I read this book many times, um, talks with Ramana Maharshi. And um, every time I read it, it's like something new pops out at me. And one of the things he was talking about last night was, um, you have to live so that when you sit down to meditate, you're you're awake. Yeah. He didn't mean like enlightened awake. He meant yeah. so that you're actually not falling asleep and you're actually able to get into the subtlety of the process. And and one of the things he talks about is one of the greatest um one of the greatest aids to that when he was asked, the greatest aid was a sattvic diet. Yeah, or a diet which promotes this kind of energy in their in in life. So absolutely, yeah, yeah, interesting. I stuff. think it's so true. You know, I think I, I took a class with uh, Dr. Frawley once of Amadeva Shastra, and he he said the I'll never forget. He said most people close their eyes to meditate, and they wander around in their disturbed minds. <laughs> and it was it was about you know kind of what we're talking about right now about just balancing the dosha to. to support our ability to use like japa or use mantra you know to be able to stay like you said awake and and so yeah i think eating a sattvic diet or just eating the right foods for our constitution i I think it's very helpful yeah well that'll be interesting to go into the to the sattvic diet aspect of the class because you know people have asked me about that before what is a sattvic diet and i have my ideas but i remember reading uh, Lahiri Mahasaya, it was something like, you know, eat lots of rice pudding and dairy, you know, <laughs> what do you do with your lactose intolerant? <laughs> right. That's an ogis building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, good. Yeah. Well, um, before we finish up today, um, do you have any books that you would recommend people to look at, to kind of get some good general information on, on Ayurveda. I know Roy has his book. Is it an easy guide to Ayurveda? I don't have. Yeah. Easy guide to Ayurveda. I think that's that's a great one. Okay. So easy guide to Ayurveda by Roy Eugene Davis. Yeah. Any others you think might be useful? Prakruti by Dr. Robert Sabota. Prakruti. That's a wonderful one as well. How can people get a hold of you for, you know, work working with you as an Ayurvedic doctor and also uh, to tap into your, your astrological practice. Yeah. Uh, if, if people are interested, they can go to my website. It's uh, www.stronghealthcenter.org. And it's strong health center is just one word 
org, or they can email me directly at strongveda. So it's strongveda at gmail.com. Okay, great, great. Yeah, I've known Ryan for many, many, many years, and um, I've always appreciated his presentation and his uh, realism with Ayurveda, uh, as well as Vedic astrology. So uh, I, I would definitely contact him if, if you need if you need some services in that regard. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, well, thanks it's wonderful for having to me. Have it's you. good to be here with you. All right. All right. Take care. Bye. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.